You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal, with more entrepreneurs, more live events, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, what's Hello. up? It's a quick announcement at the top of the show. You know how these go. It's a live show, so we got to announce it months in the future. <laughs> uh, and, well, speaking of live shows, yeah, uh, we've got some coming up pending coronavirus. coronavirus. We don't know about corona cancellations. We'll show up, and you can cough in our mouths as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's how committed we are to our fans. Yes. Uh, but upcoming shows, we have a show uh, that is sold out in Austin, Texas on April 18th, mm-hmm. but a uh, little bird that is uh, us told us, <laughs> we told ourselves that maybe there'll be a second show at it, so yes. keep your eyes peeled. So keep your eyes peeled, follow us on social media, and check our website for that. We also so we will be doing a show in Boston for the Women in Comedy Festival in early May. And then we are going to do a Caitlin's Birthday Bash slash General Huge show at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles on May 15th. And baby, we're doing Titanic for the fifth time. The fifth episode. Still have more to say. I, I <laughs> emailed Billy Zane's agent. Uh huh. So we'll see. Well, so he might be at the show. There's only one way to find out. You better so get there's tickets. Hope. So yeah, go to bechtelcast.com for all the ticket information, and we'll keep everyone updated uh, in case there are any cancellations. Fingers crossed that there will not be. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Be healthy. Stay yes. Stay do all safe. that. Do all that good stuff. And uh, without further ado, here is an episode we recorded back in January in Philadelphia about the sixth sense. Ooh, enjoy! On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey everybody, how are you? Welcome! Here we are, Philadelphia. We're back. Who's Who's been here to see us before? Oh, I love I love when people are studios and they're like me, hands I'm up, raise my hand. 
Uh, we're so psyched to be back. We love good good so much. Yes. Um, yes. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we're the good, back to, good to see ya. <laughs> <laughs> we're the Bechdel cast. My name's Caitlin Durante. I'm Jamie Loftus, and uh, this is our uh, feminist movie podcast. Has any? Well, well, we'll do a quick quick quiz at the top. Um, so this is the free applause part. Who here has listened to the Bechdel cast? <laughs> Wow, validation, validation, we love it. Okay, um, and then practical. Who has not listened to the Bechdel cast? Don't be shy, right in the we front. Got you. We right see Right in the you. front, okay. Okay, there's work to be done. Um, okay, so today's movie is The Sixth Sense. Who has seen the movie? Okay. And has anyone not? There's one person in the back. Oh my gosh. I it's so it's such a well we'll talk about it, but like I never got to see this movie without knowing the twist that happened, so I never got to see a good movie. It's like <laughs> it's not fair. Right. I felt cheated. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh well, we'll talk about it. I'm kidding, it's the greatest movie ever made, but like you've seen it. What? Um, <laughs> Um, so we're doing the Sixth Sense today. We're doing it because Galaxy Brain, it happens here. It does. Yeah. Philadelphia. What, what? Ever heard of it? Um, Um, we should say what the Bechtel cast is. Yes, let's do that. So, uh, we are a feminist movie podcast. We analyze the portrayal of women in film one movie at a time. Until Um, there's no movies left. Until there's no movies left. (laughs) We use the Bechtel test uh, as a jumping off point to initiate a larger conversation. And that, of course, is a media metric created by cartoonist Alison Bechtel that requires that two female identifying characters with names have to speak to each other about something other than a man. Yeah. Does it happen in movies? Every once in a while it does. Sometimes. There, I, not to, I mean, okay, I will say anytime someone says that they've listened to our podcast, but is lying, they're like, oh, your show, isn't it about you spend an hour trying to figure out if it passes the Bechdel test? And we're like, no, <laughs> what? Imagine if we were just pouring over the script Every for the Every single sixth line sense. of like, dialogue. How do you feel? Nope. Doesn't look like <laughs> it. Like, but Wait, can um, we uh, demonstrate the Bechtel test? Yes. For anyone who's not familiar? Yes, please. Uh, hey, Jamie. Hey, Caitlin. I see dead women. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so brave and progressive of you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's like, you know, it doesn't have to be good writing. It just has to be writing. Um, and so that's what we're doing here. Yes. And so um, after, you know, people have been begging us, Jamie, Caitlin, do a feminist analysis of the sixth sense. <laughs> it's know. our top request. It's our t- <laughs> Everyone wants to know. But for like, I mean, really the benefit, I mean, I'm just thrilled that we get to talk about Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. Um, my <laughs> my lifelong crush. So the, right, this episode will not pass at all because we'll just be talking about when you talk about Haley Joel Osment, it, it does the pass the Bechdel test. We checked. We just emailed like Allison Bechdel. <laughs> Same applies to Alfred Molina, of course. If I have a crush on them, it passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> um, is that's canon? Sure. <laughs> um, Caitlin, what is your um, history with the cinematic masterpiece, The Sixth Sense? I saw the movie in theaters in 1999 in Dubois, Pennsylvania. Anyone familiar? <laughs> I was 
12 or 13, uh, didn't really know anything about it, except that it was like, you know, the hot movie of the moment. Uh, it was very spooky. And because I was the age that I was, I thought it was great. Um, this yeah. movie is for 12 year olds. Like this is like, <laughs> this movie is like the most hardcore shit a 12 year old has ever seen. Yeah. Like, I think that like that kind of applies to like M. Night Shyamalan's entire filmography. Like if you're 12, you're like, <laughs> this shit is unbelievable. <laughs> but then when you are, you know, 13, you're like, oh, what? <laughs> what is happening? And I don't think I had seen it again since, but because oh. it's such like a, it's such a huge part. It's infiltrated pop culture. Yeah. Everyone knows the twist ending. Everyone knows the famous line about seeing dead people, not women, not feminist. Um, no, I think it's a gender neutral <laughs> term and it's, and it's, you know, all encompassing. I think that Haley Joel Osment is an icon. He probably insisted on that line. <laughs> <laughs> what if M. Night Shyamalan was like, okay, you're going to say, I see dead hetero men and <laughs> Haley Joel Osment's like no I have an idea <laughs> I know I'm eight years old but let's be inclusive you mm. know I hope so I'm gonna be cutting them all kinds of slack <laughs> what is your history with the movie not much uh I I was too I wasn't allowed to see this movie when it came out because um, I think I was like six or seven when it came out and so I didn't get to see it but then I knew the twist years before I, I think I finally saw it maybe in middle school, mm -hmm. but I already knew the twist mm -hmm. because some jackass at school right. had fucked it up for me. So I, I didn't, I, I like knew the twist, but by that point, I think I had seen the sixth sense after I'd seen Haley Joel Osment in secondhand lions. Uh huh. And I, I right. Oh, we have some secondhand lions. The secondhand lions hive has come <laughs> to Philadelphia. Second Alliance, uh, not that bad. Pretty good. I think um, it's pretty good. I think that, that you know, pretty good. Yeah. A solid pretty good. But that that was, like, where my crush really, like, solidified. Okay. I'm like, well, we've got to go back. We've got to see everything. So that was – so I went to see it for horny child purposes. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. you know. And that's my entire history. And then right. I watched it again. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot Tony Collette is in this movie. I saw this movie before I knew who Toni Collette was. So Same. yeah, didn't know she was in it at all. Yeah. I think that Toni Collette, uh, like, I mean, based on the interviews I've read with her, it seems like maybe she would prefer we forgot she was in this movie. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, knives out. Like, she just <laughs> blazed through it. Sure. Although I think that Toni Collette's character in this movie is kind of like the lightest version of her character in Hereditary because mm -hmm. a lot of times in movies, Tony Collette is just like, what's going on with my son? Like that <laughs> is the part she's given a lot. <laughs> like mm -hmm. Multiple. She's just like, she's on screen and we're like, Oh, I wonder where her motivation is. She's like, S my son's doing fucked up things. And, <laughs> and then that's the, I'm like, come, we got to You know, yeah, she should have an Oscar. I Not for this though. She was nominated, though, right? For this movie? Am I wrong? Oh, my God. I think she was. For what? Wait. I love Toni Collette, but you're just like, she's dressed like Velma from Scooby-Doo no, yeah. at the end of the movie. She was nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actress. That is so funny. Yeah. That's like, I mean, she didn't win. I mean, she didn't win. I mean, come I, on. I don't think so. She didn't win. Did you notice that when you were rewatching it? Like, 
the end of the movie where Haley Joel Osment and um, Tony Collette's relationship is like resolved mm -hmm. at the end. She's dressed exactly like Velma from Scooby Doo. <laughs> She's wearing the a turtleneck. the turtleneck. Dark, the hairstyle is exactly the same, mm -hmm. and she's crying. But I'm like, I can't engage. I'm so distracted by the fact that she's cosplaying during this. I scene. mean, <laughs> when you think of it, The Sixth Sense is like a very gritty Scooby Doo <laughs> narrative. Unpack it's that. Like unpack that. And who? Unpack that. Who is the bad guy in this movie? Death. Um. Is it know, like Final Destination in that way? I. Uh, we should cover a Final know. Destination movie. I, um, <laughs> they'll all pass. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that the... Ba I mean, the closest we get to a villain in this movie is Munchausen's by Proxy Mom. Right. Who I forgot about. And I'm like, what is that doing here? And then there's little Misha Barton. We'll get to that, too. Sure. Well, should I do the recap? Yeah, I guess we started on ex accident. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Um, Dr. Malcolm Crow. Is Bruce Willis. And a million times a movie, you're like, it's not Dr. Ian Malcolm. It's right. Dr. Malcolm Crow. Uh-huh. This is not Jurassic Park as much as we want it to be. Yeah. Um, and his wife. And Anna Crow. Anna Crow, yeah. I like in the beginning scene, her whole thing, she's like, I'm your wife. Mm -hmm. She literally says that. She's like, I'm your wife and you don't pay attention to me. And he's like, anyways. Like... <laughs> That's the whole first scene. They're staring at a plaque that's right. honoring his accomplishment at a job we soon learn he's not, not that not good, good at. at. Not good at. <laughs> and she's just like, I'm your wife and you're mean. And he's like, ha ha. <laughs> right, but that's what they're celebrating because he's received an award from the city of Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that, you know, Philly doesn't just give out awards for this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then a uh, a former patient of his, Vincent Gray, who is played by Donnie Wahlberg. But I okay, so for some reason when I was rewatching this movie with my boyfriend, kill me, I'm not a feminist. Uh, <laughs> I was I was watching it with him, and for some reason I was so one million percent sure that the guy who shoots Bruce Willis was Christian Bale, mm -hmm. <laughs> to the point where when he came on. Green and it was visibly not Christian Bale. I was like, he's a chameleon. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's so good that it, he has a different head. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's, Donnie not. Wahlberg. it's Donnie Wahlberg. He lost forty pounds to do this one scene, which I is like so. kind of embarrassing for him. <laughs> <laughs> but so. imagine losing forty pounds and then being on set maximum two days. You right? know, like know. what was he trying to prove? <laughs> Whatever it was, it didn't work. He owns a cheeseburger, you know, <laughs> joint. <laughs> Whatever. He does fine. Yeah. So this former patient, Vincent Gray, um, feels Dr. Malcolm Crow has completely failed him. And so he shoots Malcolm in the abdomen and then he shoots himself in the head. We cut to the following fall. Malcolm is stalking a child. <laughs> The way yeah. we see that. Yeah, no, he's frame. stalking a child. He's stalking a child named Cole Sear. Also, Cole, okay, for everyone in the crowd who's like, wait, Cole Sear? This movie is very subtle. You have to be careful with these sort of things. But it's not spelled S 
E E R. No, it's you. It's subtle. A it's different. Spelling. It? <laughs> there, it is really fun to read. Like. I have some quotes for later, but whenever M. Night Shyamalan, like when this movie was coming out, he was interviewing for this movie as if the very obvious things in the movie were so subtle. He's like, well, Cole Sear. Now, not everyone's going to get this, but he sears dead people. So we find out that Cole is Malcolm's patient, and he's a sweet boy. He's he's I, he's an angel. He's a talent. <laughs> you know, Jacob Tremblay wishes. You know, <laughs> but there there's something different about Cole. He's not like the other boys. He's not like the other Sears. And he speaks Latin, and he. <laughs> Opens all the drawers in the kitchen, or is that him, or is it the or ghost? Is it? No, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, we meet his mom, Lynn Sear. That's Tony Collette, of Tony course. Collette, and she's like, "Don't look at me." <laughs> <laughs> so Cole and Malcolm have an appointment at Cole's house, and we learn more about him. He like he made a drawing that depicted this violent murder, and he has a secret. Okay, so meanwhile, um, Malcolm's home life is rough. He and his his, his wife. wife keeps ignoring him, and yes. we're like, "Why?" <laughs> Does anyone in the crowd not know how it is? Okay, never mind. But like, <laughs> it's so like there is this thing with thrillers. We yeah. were just talking about this backstage. There is this thing with like thrillers that have a twist that you can really only tell if they're a good movie when you've seen it twice. Right. Like if anyone has seen parasite i will not spoil anything there's a twist in the movie and when you see it the second time you're like oh this is an amazing movie because it gets even better once you know the twist whereas the sixth sense is a little different (laughs) once you know the twist you're like oh this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my entire life i can't wait i have so many questions that are going (laughs) to poke some holes in this plot we're really gonna show him This movie was nominated for Best Picture that year. I know, but like 99 was like not a good year for anyone. It was... Uh, okay, so... So his wife is ignoring yes. him. Yes, and... Um, his wife. His wife. Malcolm and Cole meet again, and uh, they're making some progress, but there's something that's really troubling Cole, and we still don't know what it is. He has an outburst at school. Then there's this uh, birthday party incident where some mean boys lock Cole in a little cupboard, and then he has some sort of seizure type thing. Yeah. Then Malcolm is with him in the hospital, and Cole says he's ready to tell Malcolm his secret. And then trailer moment, we get the line. The line. I see dead women. No. <laughs> Haley Joel Osment's a really good actor. He's, uh, you know me, I don't like a lot of child actors, but Haley Joel really knocks that out of the park. He's perfect. He's perfect in all subsequent roles as well. Mm -hmm. I have a whole (laughs) section later. Okay, good. (laughs) Okay, so he sees dead people and the ghosts that he sees, they're everywhere. All the time. They don't know that they're dead. He sees them all the time, and it's just... They're very melodramatic, these ghosts that he sees. They apparently have all died very violent deaths as well. There's yeah. no... I thought that was because of, it's like, oh, it's just people with unfinished business who, their unfinished businesses, I want to scream at Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> <laughs> like, their unfinished business has never really made that clear. They right. just want to yell at him. and Yeah, and scare him. Yeah. A lot of people died having not yelled at him yet. <laughs> 
and that is what allows them to pass on. I, I guess. Who knows? This movie makes no sense. So Malcolm assumes that Cole seeing dead people is the result of a mental illness, but we start to learn that there actually are dead people walking around who torment and abuse and yell at Cole. Yes. So Malcolm, he's under a lot of pressure. He says he's going to transfer Cole to another doctor because he needs to spend more time with his his wife. His wife. And because his wife is getting a little flirty with some guy. Yes. And Bruce Willis is acting out about it Mm -hmm. because he doesn't know he's dead and so forth. Right. But Cole begs Malcolm to help him and believe him because, you know, hashtag believe Haley Joel Joel Osment. I think everyone in the crowd would agree. (laughs) We, as a fan base, believe Haley Joel Osment. So Malcolm starts to reflect back on his treatment of Vincent, the person from the beginning of the movie. Not Christian Bale. Not Christian Bale. Donnie Wahlberg. Right. And he plays back some old tapes, uh, and Malcolm realizes that Vincent had this same seeing dead people curse, which we learn apparently only afflicts little boys whose parents are divorced. Right. That's... Malcolm is obsessed with divorce. Anytime you see him like treating a a patient, the first thing about them is like first name, last name, status of parents, marriage. Yeah. And that like he's so and then he's like divorced. Okay, this kid is going to be I'm like, you know, by that logic, half of the planet would see dead people. (laughs) Yeah. Which we do. (laughs) Well, you are a child of divorce. Yes. I am. Yes. And um, I, this, there's so no one in this people. room right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see them. My parents are, their marriage is legally binding, so I can't see dead people. You have, yeah. <laughs> Get them to sign the papers. Your life is going to change. <laughs> Bruce Willis is going to show up. <laughs> okay. So Malcolm, he realizes that the dead people that Cole is seeing just want help from Cole. They want Cole to help them. And he think he's like, if you just listen to them, they'll go away. Right. Um so But it's still very unclear what some of the ghosts want help with. Some like because well, we really only find out about one of them, which is Misha, Misha, Barton. Misha Barton ghost. She shows up, she's puking everywhere. And then feminist. Cole <laughs> Cole's like, Hi, how can I help you? And <laughs> first customer service yeah. job <laughs> that is a lot of customer service is someone puking at you <laughs> and you being like i don't mind this like <laughs> so we cut to cole and malcolm going to her funeral and everyone thinks she died of a terminal illness but cole helps uncover that misha barton was actually being poisoned by her own mother in a scene that hint hint passes the bechdel test when you know where your mom is killing you and it passes the bechdel test <laughs> That was a wild one. She was, <laughs> she was like, I want you to eat your soup and don't complain about how it tastes. <laughs> passes. Uh-huh. This is one of my new favorite passes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So that has been resolved and then Cole tells his mom about his secret. There's this exchange about she's dressed uh, like Velma. His grandmother, she, right? <laughs> and Malcolm is like, "Okay, I, I'm going to try to reconnect with oh, 
my his, my wife. his wife. But but it's because Cole says something that outside the context of the movie is like, Ugh. he he's like, I know what you should do. Talk to your his wife while she's asleep. And I'm like, if he's alive, this is the scariest thing that's ever right. been set. Like, imagine waking up and someone you love being like, I just wish I could connect with you. If you like text me, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but but like Haley Joel Osment gives this advice because he knows Bruce Willis is dead, and Bruce Willis just receives it like never thought of that. Okay, that's <laughs> what I'm unclear about. Does Haley Joel know that? Oh, he's he definitely dead? does. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's what when he says all the time, he's like literally right now. I'm seeing dead people. Wait. Am I the am am I alone here? Oh, no, I Caitlin. thought that he didn't know. No, he definitely knows. How? He definitely like he gives hints all the time that he knows. My interpretation, <laughs> maybe I'm giving M Night Shyamalan too much credit, but my interpretation is he doesn't tell Bruce Willis that he's dead because if he tells him he's dead, Bruce Willis will disappear. He'll go away. And he doesn't want Bruce Willis to go away because daddy issues. Okay. I that never interpreted that that way. He I interpreted knows, that he had no idea and he was like, oh, here's a child psychologist conveniently here to help me. Did you underestimate else? Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> he, well, no, because at the end he says, like, this is the last time I'm going to see you, huh? Because he knows that, like... I think that. maybe he figures it out by the end. Maybe. I don't know. I was he literally knows. never. Th- I was like, he doesn't know. Just like we don't know. Well, it's like, I mean, the logic of this movie relies on Bruce Willis's character being very stupid, which he is. <laughs> but it's like there's multiple scenes where it's like if you were Haley Joel Osment and there was a strange man in your hospital room that your mom had never met, you would be like, mom, you know, but like, but he if doesn't because he knows Bruce Willis is dead. It's but, a psychologist. But, like, we don't... I mean, Bruce Willis just shows up and he's like, I'm your... Like, I don't know. I think Haley Joel Osment knows. Well, one of my questions that would poke holes in the story logic is, like, mm-hmm. how did this patient-doctor relationship start? That's why I feel like Haley Joel Osment just accepts it because he can tell when people are dead. And he's like, oh, this ghost seems, like, less bleeding than usual. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's see where this goes. Got it. Okay. Well, this has just crumbled my entire <laughs> life. I could be wrong. I don't know. That's just how I thought of it. I want to take a poll. Can we? Who read it the way that Jamie reads it? That Haley knew. That uh, round of applause. Okay. Okay. A fair amount of people. Okay. Round of applause. Who did not know and thought that Cole does not know that he's a ghost? Okay. Okay, so we have some Mensa members in the room. And, and we have some people with master's degrees in the room. You know? <laughs> Being a Mensa member costs $60. How much did your... Did your... Anyways. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't... I mean, at the end of the day, how hard was M. Night Shyamalan thinking about this? I mean, not, there's so many plot holes. Um, okay, so the, so Bruce Willis is like, I gotta go reconnect with my wife. And then right. his attempt to do that uh, makes him learn that he's been dead the whole time! Oh, <gasps> no! 
because he was shot. He was killed whenever when when, when Vincent Donnie Wahlberg killed him. Shot him. Yes, and uh, that's the movie. And then we're like, wow, it's perfect. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no notes. <laughs> I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. Probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you, to talk about why I feel that cancer to a certain extent is a gift what my responsibilities are as a person with cancer, because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, okay. I mean, should we start with like what a dog shit child psychologist Malcolm is like alive (laughs) or dead. He's, he's trash. He's so bad. Like he, we've already sort of talked a little bit about his like obsession with divorce where he's like divorce equals mental illness equals ghosts. Like he's like, 
really taking it a long way. And then another thing that I noticed just throughout the movie is he also has a, like a strong aversion to medicating any sort of mental illness. There's this really dramatic shot mm-hmm. when he's, first of all, watching his wife shower. She doesn't know he's there. Right. And then he, so, okay, weird to start. And then he, it pans over and there's a very dramatic shot of her bottle of Zoloft. And he's like, <gasps> like, <laughs> First of all, everyone on the planet is on. Like, like, yeah. what are you taught? Like, and he's a psychologist. He's a psychologist. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, have you never prescribed someone Zoloft? <laughs> you probably should, you know. Yeah. So he's he's like so deeply shocked that his wife would dare to go so far as to take Zoloft. Right. <laughs> Um, and then when Cole tells him, you know, I see dead people, they're around me all the time. And then Malcolm like reassesses his like evaluation of Cole. And he's like, oh, it's like worse than I thought. He might need hospitalization and medication. And then proceeds to not do anything about it. <laughs> like he's just like, well, we'll just meet a f- like several more times. I'll go to his play at school. So that's like also doctor patient. Like that breaches something. Right. <laughs> like imagine if if my like therapist came to like here, mm-hmm. I would be like get Go no away. I would be like come on stage let's talk but like <laughs> but in theory that's very unprofessional yes I think so but one okay but one thing I did like that mm-hmm. Bruce Willis does is when he leaves the first play he goes to two plays also yes <laughs> he's the like school has so many plays which goes into the whole daddy issues thing that I have later but um. At the end of the first play, he's like, well, it was better than Cats. And you're like, you fucking idiot. Like, (laughs) this was not better than. And then we're like, oh, well, I never was there ever. A cat so clever as Magical (laughs) Miss. And there's and there's also like, first of all, like Haley Chalazman wishes he was Skimble Shanks. (laughs) In his wildest dreams. And he could have done. I have no doubt. But, oh, you yeah. know, I, which is, was a majority uh, British cast. Mm-hmm. So, but <laughs> all that to say, um, you know, what is that phrase about people? Is it people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones? M. Night Shyamalan's coming after cats? <laughs> I'm like, it's all bad, honey. Like, it's all, you can't be like in the middle of the sixth sense, the stupidest movie ever, <laughs> and be like, cats sucked, right? I'm like, sir. <laughs> It all sucked. Like, <laughs> calm down. I, okay, I don't think this movie's terrible. I don't... I don't think it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's dumb. It's very stupid. Dumb movies are fun um, all the time. For of, example, Cats. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask my questions? That, ask your questions, Okay, Caitlin. thank you so much. Okay, so the movie does a little bit to show that Malcolm and his 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 wife uh, have grown apart and they don't really talk anymore. But we're to believe that he's been dead for several months. He's been right? dead for a while. a while. And then it's like we just I mean, the story logic is so bizarre where it's like, I mean, and most people did suspend their disbelief. Like, I mean, including me. And but it's like we're to believe that um, Bruce Willis has not spoken to his wife. Had a real conversation. They wouldn't have had sex or like kissed or anything like that. It would have months and months. Which I mean, it happens. But (laughs) like, I mean, if you're not even having a conversation, eventually you're gonna be like, "Hey, view me." Okay. Exactly. Okay, so like that would be me. Like day two. I, 
I, I mean, I okay. would be like, excuse me. <laughs> Pass the but. What is he been eating? Would you right? What is he? She's been making dinner for one, and then on like day fifty, he's like, I'm hungry. Like. <laughs> What would the you, fuck? Would you humor me, Jamie? Yes, and of course. You pretend to be my wife. Okay. And I'll be dead Bruce Willis. Okay. And you're just going to have to ignore everything I say because I'm dead, right? I'm horny. Okay. <laughs> I'm horny for someone um, else. <laughs> also, it is kind of... Okay, wait. Can I break? Yeah. The, wait, um, the fact that it is, has only been a couple of months and she's like, I should probably be fucking. I'm like, you know what? Everyone grieves differently. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with a it. A very horny grief. <laughs> okay, so I'm you're your my wife. I'm your dead his wife. I'm okay. your his wife. Hey, honey, how was your day at work? Honey? <laughs> D- did you have a- Why are you ignoring me? Did you have a bad day? <gasps> well, uh, what? Can- I'm sighing because my me. husband died. <laughs> <laughs> is, so- is something wrong? Why, also, why won't you talk to... Yeah, so that's how Hello? that would go. <laughs> uh, also, we're to believe that she hasn't talked about it at all. Like, he's never walked in on her on the phone being like, so about my husband's assets. Like, right. What? Or like the funeral. The funeral. Like, where was he? Where what? What? Or, I mean, was it, are we supposed to believe that maybe he like came to, but then we, okay, someone's saying yes, but then it's also like, he's acting like we've been growing apart for months. And so I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Here's my next question. But it was nominated for many Oscars, not the first time. (laughs) Okay, so does Malcolm not notice or care that he apparently has only one patient? (laughs) And it's a little boy? And one outfit. One outfit? (laughs) One outfit, yeah, his, his sweater. Does he not notice that no one seems to talk to him except a small child? Um, no, he does. Also, <laughs> he thinks people are talking around him all the time, but no one ever direct. Imagine if no one ever directly addressed you. You would just feel like you were in junior high again. <laughs> like it would be, he's just living in. Right. Yeah. No one seems to notice he exists, but he doesn't notice that. Does he think he's getting paid? Uh, right. Who's this jig goes on for a while and you're, and you're like, is Tony Collette supposed to be paying him? But it's like, Let's I guess see. they only see what they want to see, which is like such a like throwaway line that like excuses a lot of plot holes. He's sending her like ghost bills. <laughs> She's not replying to his ghost invoices. Um, I, you know, we've all been there. Right. Uh, next question. Um, so various times when it seems like Cole would be under adult supervision because he seems to be with Malcolm, then you realize he was just like alone in that hospital room. Yeah. Alone walking the halls of his school at night. Alone walking around in a park. Like he was just like always alone. Talking. Talking to, to talking. no one. I if guess. you saw a tiny little Haley Joel Osment baby talking to no one, you would be like, I'm abducting you. You know, like. <laughs> you might do that. You're my son now. I, <laughs> I don't know someone if I would, would do that. Do, but someone, someone would, would do something. <laughs> right. If not that <laughs> they would be like are you okay where's, where's your mom yeah um, what's going on and then also why after vincent gray kills himself why does cole never see him because he would be a ghost walking oh, around unless he doesn't that. have any unfinished business i guess his business was to kill bruce willis he's like i'm out i, I don't know we don't we have no background for him we they're just like well child of divorce so clearly <laughs> You're going to want to kill Bruce Willis. Right. 
Although I think Vincent Gray is maybe one of the more realistic characters in the story because he show. I mean, the the ends don't justify the. I don't know if I'm using that phrase correctly, but <laughs> you know, he does say, "Hey, Bruce Willis, you're a shitty psychologist." Yeah. You said because I was divorced, I was like my parents were divorced. I was Satan. <laughs> And now you will pay. Like, that part shouldn't have happened. But, like, up till then, he was, like, really on a roll. Sure. <laughs> he was a bad child psychologist. Also, he's always violating HIPAA laws because he's, like, telling yeah. his wife about his, wife. his patient. His patient. And that's not allowed. <laughs> it's... I know. Well, it's well because he has to talk about his job to his wife because we don't know anything about his wife other mm-hmm. than she's like, I feel neglected. And then he dies. Right. We do find out. So if we're talking about, I mean, unfortunately, there's really not a ton of discussion to be had about his wife because we know <laughs> so little about her other than she was married to him. And then she's sad that he's not around anymore. She's at home watching the wedding tape, you know, the whole bit. She's wearing out the VHS. There's one scene where we see her at work at, I think, an antique shop that sells jewelry. But the one scene we see her working, she's like gaslighting a couple (laughs) (laughs) into buying a diamond ring they clearly can't afford. Right. Um, and then the um, unnamed female character, one of the only non-white characters in the movie, um, she's talking to her future husband, <laughs> and and she and you know it's just like it's kind of the classic trope of like women be desiring blood diamonds, right? Like, yeah, and. And so his wife, uh, you know, gaslights the couple into being like, no, this is actually a good idea. And so that scene is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, why is that scene really there? Does that? Uh, the What happens after that is. Uh, oh, the guy. Sh- the guy who's like, who's interested in her and who Bruce Willis is jealous of. She, she like gives him a gift but we didn't need the scene prior to that i don't think we didn't really need everything leading up to, i mean i'm like i didn't i mean all the scenes you're like i guess i could take or leave it like <laughs> but that was a weird one and and yeah there's a is he named there's like some there's some guy who is interested in her and then she's like but but i can't you know because she's not um through her grief process which yeah. which is I think like a valid arc, but that's the most you get out of her is like she is someone who has lost her spouse recently mm-hmm. and is like not sure if she's ready to move on. That all makes sense, um, but that's like literally all we get. Right. I mean, overall, the women who are in the story are really only there because of their relationships to the two main male well, characters. Mothers, who are literally far mothers more, and wives. Yeah. That's just mothers and wives. And the Tony Collette character is slightly more important. Yeah, I think but she's <laughs> the most fem- important female character, yeah. which is like not saying that much, but right. they, they cast Tony Collette, you know, so you're like, that's significant. Right. Right. Her character, I mean, I like her character. I think we are told that she she's a single parent because divorce equals ghosts. Mm-hmm. And she's a single parent. She has two jobs but we don't know what either of them are. <laughs> right. Which is like, all right, M. Night Shyamalan was, you know, uh, we got, you know, but we, she, she's, it's just supposed to be like, she's working very hard. Mm-hmm. Just, and then it's a Tony Collette role in the 90s or early 2000s. So she's like, what's going on with my son? Right. 
Yeah. Although I would say, so what little we do know about her, right, is that she she's divorced. She's working two jobs. Mm-hmm. She is really good, a really good mother. She's very caring she's and attentive. Great, yeah. I think she's like appropriately concerned for Cole's safety while also being like frustrated by his at times alarming behavior because he's being haunted by ghosts right uh Um. but then her also like she's frustrated by her own inability to help him like there's that scene where she's just like they're kind of arguing about this like bumblebee pendant and she's like I'm so tired. I'm tired in my body, in my mind, in my heart. And like, mm-hmm. you can tell she's like trying very hard to be a good mother. And she just has a son who sees dead people. So how do you, Relatable, how do you parent that? The, <laughs> any mothers in the audience? No. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I like her character. And I also think that we don't in like pop culture in general, you don't get a ton of, mother-son stories that Mm -hmm. um play out eventually as positively as this one does i feel like there's and and this movie has this as well but there's a lot of father-son stories because men be making movies about their problems Mm -hmm. um but i think that like mother-son relationships are kind of underrepresented and father-daughter as well Mm -hmm. but um yeah, so so I, I like that you understand why Tony Collette feels frustrated. It doesn't seem irrational at all. And you also understand why Cole is nervous to tell her because he doesn't want to be labeled as, you know, an unstable child of divorce, which Bruce Willis is labeling him as. Right. Um, so I, I like their relationship. And I also like, because I sort of forgot, I forgot about the this, this scene where she's dressed as Velma at the end, <laughs> which does make me cry. Um, because I'm easily manipulated, but, um, where their relationship resolves is in the way that sort of Haley Joel Osment proves to Tony Collette that she should believe Haley Joel Osment is he, you know, shares an anecdote about his grandmother, her mother who passed away and they're crying and she believes him and Mm -hmm. you don't know. I'm like, what is she going to do now? Like, we don't really know. But you're like, okay, they're okay. She believes him and they're going to figure it out, which I think was like a lovely mother-son relationship arc. Indeed, especially because in that moment, we realize that Haley Joel Osment's character is a feminist icon because he's trying yeah. to help women pass the Bechdel test. He's like, hey, mom, grandma says hi. She saw you at the dance recital and she wants you to know that you make her proud and, every day. And Tony Collette's not catching on. She's like, uh-huh. I'm like, no, you have to talk to her. <laughs> Come on. They're... Haley Joel Osment's, okay, his entire character, like his name is Cole, but it's like, it's Haley Joel Osment. Right. Um, his whole character, I, I like his character. I think Cole is a little sweetie pie. Yeah. He's a troubled boy, but he's, he's being haunted. haunted. He's literally being haunted by every plot ghost. <laughs> Every plot relevant ghost is haunting him. All the non plot relevant ghosts, who knows where they are. Mm. Um, but I, I like the, the first ghost that he's able to break through with is Misha Barton. Mm-hmm. So he's help, you know helping women expose their mother's <laughs> crimes. Feminist. Um, he's he's a, an ally. He's an ally. <laughs> he just is. Um, but I but what I really do like about the way and it's like. I don't know how intentional this is because I don't think that this is like a movie that's like meant to show like young people a role model through this haunted child. <laughs> but maybe I don't. We don't know. 
but but in general, I mean, I think it would be kind of like an easy bad writing thing to have, you know, because like Haley Joel Osment's character is being bullied mm -hmm. by other boys who are very like you know, emulating macho behavior. Uh, to Tommy Tatamasimo or whatever. Tommy Nobel. Who is blah, in blah. That, he's a cough syrup commercial, so he's the best actor in the world. He's like, <laughs> oh, that character, hilarious. Anyway, An icon. Uh, feminist icon Tommy Tomasino? <laughs> um, question mark. But, you know, we see all we see other other young boys like uh, bullying Haley Joel Osment in these very like typically like macho ways. Mm -hmm. And Haley Joel Osment doesn't respond with like toxicity. He's just like, I've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Tommy Tamasino will deal with him later. Right. We've got we've got ghosts that are screaming <laughs> like so and, like scratching him and they're the, scratching oh. him. Oh. Why are they scratching him? He's so nice. I know. Also, on the rewatch, the special effects in this movie, I'm like, I looked up because I'm like, maybe this movie was made for $14, but it was not. It was, <laughs> they had a $40 million budget yeah. in 1999, so like even more now. But if you look at, there's a scene where you see, um, I mean, you know, female ghost representations pretty good in this movie mm. but one of the first <laughs> ones is a mother who has um where to like she slit her wrists we don't find anything else out other than she wants to scream like her unfinished business Blah. we don't know i think she it's implied that she has an abusive husband right but it's like what's Haley joel osmond gonna do about that uh, right anyway <laughs> but but when, when she turns and we see the special effects it's literally like i party like <laughs> like it's like the effects are not there. It's not just like, great. yeah, it's Halloween makeup mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. that they're wearing. And then Misha Barton has like a CVS brand like ghost makeup on her. <laughs> um, going back to the mother-son relationship. Sure. Because uh, I, I also quite like the way it plays out, especially because so, you know, she's a single mother we're not totally sure how recent the divorce was or how recently his dad left or how long he's been seeing ghosts, but we have to assume since the birth. day. Well, cause there's all those photos on the wall where like Tony Klaus, like what's this little shimmer in this photograph. And there were some of so him he's when he's been a with baby. Or, well then that challenges. I thought it was like, Oh, your father and I got divorced. And that second it's like, boop, like oh. ghosts have logged in. <laughs> Oh, so it's just like May you're born oh. with it. So maybe I thought it was once your parents get divorced, you see ghosts. Maybe it's that when you have a baby who sees ghosts, it's so much pressure on your marriage that you get divorced. <laughs> oh, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You're like, why is it? Why are there so many orbs in this picture of our son? <laughs> and, then uh, anyway. and then they break up. <laughs> so really, when you, what you're saying is. The divorce is Haley Joel Osment's fault, and we love to hear that. Uh, the divorce was the child's fault. <laughs> I don't wish to imply that. Interesting, um, you would say. That. But the relationship between mother and son, in a lot of movies you would see that dynamic play out where like, the boy would be like, when's daddy coming home? Where's my dad? Like Either an, an implicit or an explicit idea that the mother isn't enough. He needs a male parental figure I there. Agree. I agree with that, but I would also push like, back yeah, a little bit. Cole doesn't do that, but... Yeah, well, but because it's like, you know, it's Tony Collette, like, it's made very clear that she is a good mother. Mm -hmm. She's trying her best to understand 
but but then you kind of I feel like M Night Shyamalan kind of has it both ways because Bruce Willis comes in, he becomes this parental figure. He's showing up to plays. Mm. He's showing up to the hospital. He's doing these quote unquote fatherly duties. And it's I feel like the plot would have you believe that Haley Joel Osment wouldn't have been able to resolve his issues without this ghost father figure appearing and then like probably kind of dramatically disappearing. Right. But I don't know. I was sort of because I was like, oh, that's cool that like I do. I love the mother son relationship, but I but I feel like there's also the slight implication by the movie that Tony Collette couldn't have gotten the job done on her own. Like they ghost daddy needed to come in for a few weeks. Right. Cause to Tony Collette isn't a ghost. So she can't help with the ghosts. I know. Which is just like rude. It's like Tony Collette could be a ghost if she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell her, but I, I don't know. Yeah. It was like, it wasn't like I, 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 and again, I'm just like I don't know who who is thinking this hard about it. I think we are we have like thought a few laps around the first draft of the script, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I feel like there is the implication that it's still like that nuclear family dynamic that is able to accomplish what the story wants to. I see what you're saying, but I I feel like Bruce Willis. Who knows how long he's been stalking Cole before they actually start talking to each other. Yeah. But I feel like it's implied that he's only around for maybe a few weeks or a couple months or so before yeah. he then like disappears. Because it's like he needs to help Cole. Cole needs to help Misha Barton for some reason. And then everyone's fine? Question? Like, uh, we don't yeah. know. The They need to help each other. Like a father is on me? <laughs> <laughs> but they're... But I don't know. Yeah, the... I, I, ultimately, the doomsday clock is at a hundred seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to start saying when I run out of ideas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a, like, there's a few times where, when you learn that like Cole wears his dad's like glasses or like the frames of his glasses or like his watch. Maybe it's just like a small attempt to be like. I wish my daddy was still here, but it's not overwhelming. But yeah. then, yeah, because, you know, Bruce Willis does sort of step in to be his, his dad. His father. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, most of the stuff, I mean, I, I feel like there is a version of this movie that would have, like, hit on that theme way harder in a more egregious way. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it is, I mean, I, don't, I, I mean, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. Probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you, to talk about why I feel that cancer to a certain extent is a gift, what my responsibilities are as a person with cancer. Because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together, we'll find it. It's gonna be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We do see Tony Collette's character doing laundry in two different scenes. Well, who Um, else is going to do? Well, that's true, though. Two scenes is unnecessary. One scene, max. (laughs) One scene, we're like, well, this is, you you know, like, she's obviously, who else would be doing it? (laughs) In two scenes, we're like, what are her jobs? Right. she has two jobs. And why does she let her son roam around at night with nobody? There's with ghosts. Where's the babysitter at? Where is she? Um, or he? We don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to be inclusive with my babysitting. I'm trying to look through my notes to see if I have anything else. I wrote down a lot of female ghosts. A lot of female ghosts. <laughs> um, I oh also I mean I don't even really know. Again, I'm just like. What really does this plot point serve? Like he's able to help Misha Barton ghost who's being killed by her mom, but we get no insight as to like what's going on there. And so that scene just to me mostly reads this very bizarre. Misha Barton gets him the VHS evidence tape right. that she's conveniently recorded. And <laughs> then Haley Joel Osment goes to her father and is like, here's evidence. And he's like, let me watch it during the f- wake. During the f- yeah. He pops it in during the wake from a kid he's never met. Uh-huh. Who was there alone. Who, because, like, again, Bruce Willis is dead he's and he's at not there. his wake alone. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, in any other world, it would be, like, a SpongeBob cartoon. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, this eight-year-old's handing him important evidence yeah. about 
his daughter and we see the mother doing the like the Munchausen's by proxy thing she's doing and again in a very over the top visual signifiers of like the thing that is clearly poison has like a little X symbol on it yeah what was that bottle what of, was in like, there what is it I don't know she pours it in, She she's like bleaching soup <laughs> so we see her do the the soup bleach and then she goes to Misha Barton, like, stop saying the soup tastes like bleach. Yeah. <laughs> and we have no insight. I mean, it's like, I didn't know about the, even the term Munchausen's by proxy until, like, the whole Gypsy Rose case, like, five years ago. And uh, let's talk about it after the show. But <laughs> I, I feel like Munchausen's by proxy and, like, the idea of keeping someone sick intentionally was not a, like, pop culture. Like, people didn't know about this then. So mm-hmm. the fact that it pops up and <laughs> then her husband, like, just confronts her and is like, why would, why did you bleach the soup? And she just goes, oh, <gasps> yeah. that's... That's the last we... Does she get arrested? Like, do we get any explanation? Like, we get nothing. And when I first saw this movie, I'm like, wow, she seems like a real bitch. Like, I'm like... (laughs) But that's clear. There's so much going on there that... uh, There's so... Like, it's such a complicated issue for M. Night Shyamalan to choose to be like, let me present this very complex mental illness in one scene with characters you don't know. I think there's a lot that gets, like, seeds that get planted in the first movie that call for a sequel. I think there should be a sequel to The Sixth Sense. I think it should be called The Seventh Sense, even though that doesn't make sense. But, like, again, like, what happened? I want to know what happens with, like, now that, like, he has a friendly relationship with ghosts now, I guess, at the end, (laughs) we're supposed to believe. So, like... What does that look like? You have to be careful, though, because they will make that movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't actually want it. If anyone is listening, that's like, maybe we should. No, we don't want it. You know, because what was that? They just did that with um, The Shining. They were mm-hmm. like, what if the people are wondering? You're like, no one is wondering. Oh, oh you mean with Dr. What Sleep? happened to Dan? Like, no one gives a <laughs> fuck what happened to Danny. So... I just. <laughs> sorry. Hey, let's talk about Haley Joel Osment for a okay. second. <laughs> He's had a lot of great roles, Caitlin. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you've seen him most recently in that Zac Efron, Ted Bundy movie. Anyone see that? Yeah. Mm. He's, 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 he's fine in that. He, <laughs> his whole role in that is he goes up to Ted Bundy's ex-girlfriend and is like, I wish you could get over Ted Bundy. That's his whole okay, role. Right. He's crying. He's like, I, I just, Ted Bundy is cock blocking me at every turn. Like... <laughs> So he's not given much, but he does a good job. My favorite post-Sixth Sense Haley Joel Osment role is the movie Sex Ed. Has anyone on the planet besides me seen Sex Ed? Okay. (laughs) So Sex Ed is a movie that is currently streaming for free on something called Tubi. Anyone, anywhere in my Tubi? I was like, what the fuck is Tubi? And then I downloaded it to watch Sex Ed. <laughs> sex Ed is a 2014 movie where Haley Joel Osment plays a sex ed teacher named Ed. <laughs> That's really all you need to know to want to watch it. But he plays a sex ed teacher named Ed. He's trying to, he's having a bit of a dry spell, but he's talking about sex all day. So he's horny. <laughs> 
Retta plays his best friend slash landlord. Uh-huh. She shows up every few scenes to give exposition, and then she disappears. <laughs> um, anyways, at the end, Haley Joel Osment has sex. Wow. <laughs> Spoiler. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> and then what if you're like, at the end, he was dead the whole time? <laughs> You gotta watch Sex Ed. It's on Tubi. <laughs> um, here's something that's sort of relevant to what we normally discuss. I know. Um, <laughs> so there's a, there's a component in this movie, and it, it's recurring in a lot of like horror thriller movies, but um, something's happening to someone, and no one believes them at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and groups of people who are often not believed... Oh, I see where this is going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Children, like we see in mm-hmm. The Sixth Sense. Uh, women, ever heard of them? Um, <laughs> seniors, you know, basically any marginalized group. And there's a, like there's a line of dialogue where Cole says, like, please believe me. You believe me, right? How will you help me if you don't believe me? And that's just, you know, poignant. I think that that's good. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it does, like, make it clear that, like, and, and that's also, like, what is preventing Cole from having any sort of resolution with his mother, is that he's so afraid that she won't believe him, mm-hmm. and that if he tells her the truth, that she will disown him, or love him less, or whatever the yeah. internal logic is, that, yeah, M. Night Shyamalan accidentally made a point. Right. Because um, <laughs> there's and, even that scene where uh, he says something like, like, no one knows my secret, I, I can't even tell my mom, because I don't want my mom to look at me the way everyone else does. Like I'm a freak. So like, right. right. It's cause they, oh. it's, it's very sweet, sweet. boy. Um, let's talk about um, M night Chamberlain for a second. Okay. Because I, I mean for, he gets a lot of shit from people. He has made more good movies than you think. Okay. But in all seriousness, M night Chamberlain, I think, when I was very young, he was one of the first non-white directors I was aware of that was wildly successful, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, like, when I was a kid, I knew of Spike Lee, but I wasn't old enough to see his movies. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, and and then I could watch M. Night Shyamalan movies. So he did, like, I mean, he did make, I mean, this movie was wildly successful. He basically got a blank check for the rest of his career, yeah. um, for better or worse. Um <laughs> after making this movie and so I think that like that is worth acknowledging and that is like a very impactful thing because you know directors are still overwhelmingly male but also overwhelmingly white Mm -hmm. uh, of any gender so the fact that you know this is a director who um he he grew up in philly but he's the son of immigrants and like that is a really powerful cool thing and so i just wish his movies were better (laughs) (laughs) so you know there's a lot but but I, i like yeah i think he was truly one of the first non-white directors I knew of and was mm-hmm. very, you know, in in the zeitgeist, if you will. Um, but also he ruined Avatar, so I don't oh, know. Boy. Um, oh, some people disagree. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, oh, I also wanted to mention M. Night Shyamalan's 1999, which was a wild year. So this was like The Sixth Sense was his big breakout movie. He wrote and directed it. But prior to that, he was like a Hollywood writer. He would do a lot of like third or fourth drafts of movies that were basically done. And then they're like, we got to give it the M. Night touch. (laughs) So his film credits in 1999, in addition to The Sixth Sense, are he did punch up on She's All That (laughs) <laughs> and he wrote and is credited as the sole writer of, of Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> I 
what a wild year for him. Like, <laughs> I he hasn't had a year like that. I mean, he no. doesn't have to punch up Stuart Little anymore, but that was a fun movie. <laughs> I never saw it. But uh, yeah, like it, that was that was the year where he was like crossing over between being like a punch up writer and then like this twisty auteur. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But you know, like Stuart Little, it slaps. It's good. It's nice. <laughs> Gina Davis is in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She uh, plays <laughs> his mother. <laughs> I do like that M. Night Shyamalan's, basically his whole ethos is summarized in one line of dialogue in this movie where Bruce Willis is like telling Cole a a bedtime story about a prince who was driving a lot. And then Haley Joel Osment is like, you've never told a story before, have you? You have to add some twists. And also M. Night Shyamalan does the, he, sometimes like M. Night Shyamalan, I love him. And then sometimes you're like, your confidence is really for like, it's, it's difficult. Um, Cause what he does and a lot of directors do this, but he specifically has said like, I'm basically this generation's Alfred Hitchcock and Alfred Hitchcock would play a small role in all of his movies. Mm. So movie one, I'm not sure everyone's like, I gotta be in this yeah. because otherwise I will people know I'm Alfred Hitchcock now. Um, <laughs> So he plays a small role in yeah. this movie. He gives himself a cameo in I love I think a lot M. Night of his movies, right? All of them. All of them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just I think that that's what Alfred Hitchcock did. He yeah. would be in a, a few seconds of every movie. And mm-hmm. I particularly love, like, even in some of his worst movies, the M. Night Shyamalan cameos are always so fun. He's always like a park ranger being, <laughs> being like, no, go into those woods. See what happens. Like... He's always, like, introducing them into danger. It's fun. <laughs> he should act more. He doesn't seem like a bad actor. Um, there is a Chuck E. Cheese reference in this Thank movie. Thank you. And Visibility yes, is yep, important. important. <laughs> but it's also Tony Collette needs to explain. I don't know. Was that supposed to be some sort of class thing? Like, they're, like, Tony Collette and Haley Joel Osment are at this, like, fancy, nice birthday party. And the mother at the fancy birthday party doesn't know what Chuck E. Cheese is and oh, Tony yeah. Collette gets all embarrassed and she's like well it's it's the greatest place on earth <laughs> <laughs> alright cause she goes Chuck E. Who Chuck- she's like <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese which is what I say every time <laughs> oh man it's the be- it is the best place on earth okay you know <laughs> I've been many times with you I know for my birthdays of course <laughs> yes. true um, story yeah, so they've mentioned Chuck E. Cheese and cats, and they can't take that away that's from true. us. That's so, uh, true. Do you have anything else? I think that's about it. Uh, well, we're running a bit out of time. Do we have any time for questions or comments? Do I think, think we have time for a few questions or comments. Do anyone have any yeah. questions or comments? Uh, come up Step to the mic if up. you can. So yeah. that we can up to the mic. There's one person. <laughs> one brave <laughs> soul. Oh, come on up. Oh, I love your sweater. Okay, so Hi. Nice. Uh, what's your name? Hi. Uh, my name's Ed. Hi. Oh, what's your question? Uh, my Sex my Ed. That's <laughs> me. That's what they call me. Your reputation precedes you. <laughs> uh, my question is, who do you think Alfred Molina would play in this Thank movie? Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, who would Alfred Molina... I think he could be Misha Barton Ghost. <laughs> in all my fantasies, unfortunately, Alfred Molina takes a role from a woman. <laughs> um <laughs> He could be Misha Barton Ghost. He could be, he could, I think the one role he, I think he would have genuinely been a, a good Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, he could, I mean, he's a chameleon. He, oh, speaking of chameleon, he could have been the killer at the beginning. <laughs> because then you would get to see him without his shirt on. Yeah. 
that that's the answer I'll do. He's the killer at the beginning, and then we get to see him in his little underwear. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank <laughs> you. Any? Oh my God! What if yeah, that's yeah, the only up. question? <laughs> Uh, my name's Ivan, and uh, I believe that in Tommy's, whatever his last name, uh, yes, and I think in his first scene, he explains to uh, queer icon Haley Joel Osment what improv is. Like, yes! He's explaining oh, yes! I had that written down! Improv. You're so, so right. Um, my question is, as a, as a non-binary uh, comedy fan, Yes. how do you feel about The Sixth Sense actually being about uh, Haley Joel Osment, non-binary icon, mm -hmm. trying to make it in comedy, but having to deal with Tommy, this annoying, know-it-all, improv, cishet white man. Oh my god! I was just wondering your take on that. Thank you. I, thank you! Oh my god! Wait a second, I need to process for a I second. Mean, Okay, it's, it's a First problem of all, that it's we the can prequel relate to, to Joker. It's the prequel to Joker. <laughs> it's literally you fast forward. Tony Collette is Joker's mom. Oh my He's, god! No, I'm kidding. But no, but the <laughs> wow. What if this is all about Haley Joel Osment's journey to the Upright Citizens Brigade? <laughs> He's like, I saw ghosts, and then I learned the power of yes and, and now my life is... Now. He really does. I mean, he literally, yes all ends. he does is yes and the ghosts. And he listens. That's such a big part of improv. Listens. He listens to the ghosts. Yeah. You know. And he doesn't respond irrationally, because that would be a bad scene. Like, yeah. he's just, wow. <laughs> wow. Everyone should take classes. A good good, I guess, is what we're saying. <laughs> They're... That's why I I for I had that written down of like the worst character in the story happens to mention improv can't be a mistake. <laughs> can't be a mistake. Something to consider. Any other I think we have time for one more question or comment yeah. if if such a thing exists. Yes. yes. Uh I I have a bit of a two-parter. I'm sorry. Uh no, that's okay. I, I'm afraid Thank you this for apologizing. is this is contrary to the spirit of the of the show, but I wanted to comment on your your outfit for a moment. <gasps> what if because I was like stormed out? <laughs> it's I mean, no, okay, so we have we have like 70s themed children's bedsheet, homemade miniskirt, yes. cowboy themed. Yes. One of them is topless. Oh, I mean, you'll find that all of it's, them are topless. Oh, okay. I, I don't have the best view over yes. here. It's incredible. That's and okay. then Thank you have you. a single pocket in the middle of your chest, like I Superman. found a piece of popcorn in it earlier. <laughs> it's like pocket <laughs> Caitlin Superman. Saw it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I'm sorry. There, thank you. Thank but, you. Uh, related to movies. Yes. For for a long time, there was there was a, a great controversy on one of the popular Bechtel websites. And I'm sorry if you've already covered this, but. The, the Lego movie, whether or not it passed the Bechdel test, hinged on whether or not you considered Princess Unikitty a woman. And I was hoping that you could weigh in on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin? Uh, <laughs> I, of course, have seen both Lego movies. Um, I do consider Princess Unikitty a woman. Do they refer to her in the movies with she, her pronouns? I think so. I think right? they do, right? I've seen the movies, but I'm, I I think I think so. I don't know. When I watch the Lego me movie, I'm just like, I have a crush on Phil Lord. Yes. 
that's that's <laughs> the what best I takeaway think. from that. Yeah, uh, I think we just have to cover the Lego movie now. Yeah, really, that's like a to question, really though. adequately answer your question. We should. <laughs> we should. I I think like a, a soft yes. Sure. A soft yes. And speaking of the Bechdel test, yes. does this movie, The Sixth Sense, pass? It does. I think. Does. Well, I mean, it's mm. kind of okay. Okay. So I say. When a mother kills her child, that is also a you know female child, it passes. The uh, but I mean that but is we, okay. we don't know her first name. We don't. And, we know and her last she's name. such an insignificant character. I feel like I feel like Emily Shyamalan feels like she's really important for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> There's an argument to be made for it passing because we do know Misha Barton's character's name, which Kira. is Kira, right? And then we know her last name, and then it's there's the Mr. and Mrs. character. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think it's really funny if that scene passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> Second of all, I feel like because, like, if it would be a little different for me if the father was given a first name and the mother wasn't. Right. Uh, but neither of them are given a first name. They are Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> we do find it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget it as well. So I say bleaching your daughter's soup Canon. <laughs> this is the Canon. Okay, then I'll say yes as well. Yes. Um, so give it up for the sixth sense for murdering yes, yes, uh, several yes, women. Yes. Um, uh, let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. Oh. Um, I truly have no idea. Like, uh, so zero to, f- to five nipples based on its representation of women. I mean, it's quite neutral. It's not, yeah. this movie doesn't hate women. It's not uh, brutal and cruel to women the but way that a lot of movies, them. especially from that year, were, I mean, between like no, Fight movies, Club. Movies that like M. Night Shyamalan worked on. Right. Like <laughs> She's all she's that. All that. Uh, cruel Intentions comes out this year. The yeah. Mummy never been kissed a lot of like uh, really regressive uh movies that treat women horribly this movie doesn't do that no. so feminist text no i'm kidding um, i mean i think it just sort of makes the the choice was made at some point of like i don't know how to write female characters so i won't so yeah. like, which is not the solution to that problem right but it's it is better than saying i'm going to write female characters to complete stereotypes and to like only service the male characters I want to And there's no narrative reason whatsoever why the child who sees dead people couldn't be a little girl. There's no reason why the child psychologist couldn't have been a woman. Like it's just, yeah, the movies were like, well, these better be male characters or else no one will see it. Right. And there is, I mean, there's like some, I, I think it is nice that I don't know who like busting this trope benefits but the idea of like the quote-unquote evil child who is like communicated with by the other world is usually made out to be fully the villain of the movie where you've got like the bad seed you've got damien from the omen mm. and usually if like a kid can communicate with the other side they are the devil mm-hmm. but in this case they're the sweetest baby angel who ever lived <laughs> Right. It's so progressive. It's progressive in that terms of <laughs> children who can speak to ghosts. So, you know. And again, because he's helping women talk to other women, he's advocating for Misha Barton ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't It's like a one and a half. I was going to say something. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you're just like, women are there. And they're, they're there. They're not that important to the story, but they're, 
you know, the male characters aren't cruel to them. They're there. They're cosplaying. Sure. Sure. Oh, they're Scooby-Doo characters. They're Scooby-Doo cosplaying. <laughs> they're, sure, they're only, like, wives, mothers, daughters, very stereotypical female roles. Yes. But one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one and a half. And mm-hmm. I'm going to give one to Tony Collette. And then I'm going to give the last two. It doesn't feel right to get. Haley Joel Osment's too young to give him a nipple in this movie. <laughs> so I'll give it to um, Mommy Murderer. Oh, sure. Mrs. Bleach Soup. Um, I believe her character's name was. I'll give my one and a half nipples to uh, his wife because she deserved oh, right. better. We should have Forgot. learned more about her. The only thing we know is that she is sad and on Zoloft, I guess, yeah. um, which is horrifying and to, to everyone a psychologist. Out there. Remember to talk to your loved ones while they sleep. That will yeah. solve all your problems. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Horrifying. Um, thank you so much for coming. Give it up for yourselves. <laughs> all right, folks. That was our episode on The Sixth Sense. Uh, we did want to add in really quickly that the evening after this, we did watch Sex Ed on Tubi. Yes. Uh, and that's not an endorsement of Tubi because the movie is wildly offensive and also just boring and hard to watch. Yeah, it is. So when we recommended you watch it during the live show. We were we're, joking. We were, yes. But we didn't even realize we shouldn't have even recommended it as a joke. It's wildly problematic and we're, so we are withdrawing. (laughs) We take back the recommendation, but... You know, as you heard, it killed in the room. So true, 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 true. Uh, so Tubi is canceled. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, thank you to everyone who who came to the show. That was such a blast, and to people who came to the stand up show afterwards. Yes, 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 yes. We love our Philadelphia fans. Mm-hmm. Thanks to uh, anyone who asked a question, made a comment, who bought merch at the show. That helps us all a great deal. So thanks, to, thanks to everyone who participated. And as usual, you can find us in all the same social media places on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast we have a Facebook we don't really use it Twitter and Instagram and our email is the best way to go mm-hmm. uh, we had live shows coming up as you heard at the beginning of the episode in Austin, Boston and Los Angeles coming up in the spring as what a mouthful Austin, Boston and Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> as a you know p- pending Corona uh, etc and um, one last thing Patreon. The Matron, yes. Um, so subscribe to our Matron, where you can hear those other Titanic episodes that you might not be privy to. Very true. And it's Share March. It's Share March uh, on the Matron. On the Matron. So this month we're doing the Witches of Eastwick and Moonstruck, of course. We did not know before we chose that topic that Cher is voting for Biden. Mm. So we just to cover our own asses, <laughs> it was too late. <laughs> but So my one last thing is that... During the live show, toward the end, when people were making, audience were like, you know, asking questions and making comments and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, someone asked a question about whether or not the Lego movie passes the Bechdel test. And there was this whole discussion on, well, it, yes. it, does Unikitty, does she count as a woman? And I totally forgot to mention that Unikitty, whether or not she identifies as a human woman, mm-hmm. she definitely does have eight nipples. And that's Cat Facts with Caitlin. Oh, uh, thank you. I, this is, and we're recording this a month and a half later. I was like editing the episode and uh, this everyone, has been haunting you. the whole thing is like, it sounds like I'm gearing up to be like, well, uh, I have the answer to this. And it's that Unikitty has eight nipples. And then I just like didn't remember my own bit. You <laughs> so, love to see so it. So I'm doing it now. I, I like it. You make Thank good you. on it. Thank you so much. Uh, and with that, have a great week. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. 
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yeah. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.